Welcome back to the Make the Time podcast, episode number 10. I'm Carson. I'm Andy. I'm Parker. And I'm Blake. And today we are going to be looking into Jonah chapter one. How are you boys feeling? It's my first time that I've been back in here since what, like, it's been a few months. Since last semester. Because yeah. we did the one over the summer and the new yeah. you battled missed, on us last week. I did. I missed yeah, last week. On us, man. Well, I had my wisdom teeth cut out of my skull, so. Did it get more wisdom than you? No, it actually took it out. So I don't know how cut out cut out I am. To so you're not going to have much, to, much to say no, tonight. It's the wisdom's been sucked out of Andy. You guys are going to have to carry. Sounds good. No worries. <laughs> Actually, since me and Blake were here last week, we'll just let you and Parker handle all of tonight. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah, how'd that go last week? You know, I oh you were you not guys. here. What are yeah, you saying? I, I thought you were talking about the wisdom teeth. <laughs> it went great, by the way. <laughs> no, um, I think it went really, really well. Me and Blake had a good time being here and recording it. Um, we got to answer some questions, and then we got to uh, talk a little bit about uh, discipleship as well. So I thought it went good. Blake, what'd you think? Yeah, I thought it really went really well too. I think we really answered some questions too um, towards the end with the what towards the end with the. Um, did you turn me off? <laughs> We're all talking. I think we answered some good questions. And Carson was like, I think we answered some questions. And everyone's like, we answered some good questions. We answered some questions. Wait, In okay. case you didn't know, I was, no, we I was, answered I was, some questions. I was week. about to get to something, but it didn't. Well, what were you about to get to, Blake? I was just going to say that we <laughs> we really, uh, I think we I really define discipleship in a, in a simple way, but also like to help people understand discipleship more. Um, especially in a college campus as well. You got yeah. I, I will say I remember y'all. Um, he had texted me asking for me to like send a statement of like what yeah, yeah. discipleship is summed up, and I just want to let you know I was like not with it. So for me to formulate that thought, I felt very accomplished. How much the anesthesia affect you? You know, surprisingly, not that much. I was not like a hundred percent with it, but like I remember everything, except the surgery. Obviously, I was about to say that's no. I don't remember that part. Do you remember showing up at my apartment? You asked me for some hot Cheetos. Yes, actually, I, I oh. did. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but that's that uh, something Andy would do regularly with no <laughs> but medicine the, in him. At those all. are those are too hot for me. But yes, you're right. I would I would get normal Cheetos. Oh, okay. um, what was it? The the donut in the box. Yes, yes, I remember that from Turbo. Yep, showing up thank in you, a, Hallie. a professional office. Yeah, thank you, Hallie. Um, but anyway, so we are back at it with everyone uh, in the same room for the first time in months now. We're going over Jonah one today, but uh, we're actually we'll just kind of lay out the plan for the next several weeks. We're going to go through the whole book of Jonah, which is the first whoop, whoop. total f- first full book study that we've done. Um, but we're not going to do it in four yeah. weeks. We're going to do it in like eight weeks. Yeah. Yep. So that way you guys don't just have four weeks of Jonah, 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 even though it's good, um, we're going to kind of mix it up. So, uh, at any rate, we're in Jonah one, um, who wants to read? All right. Let's go Blake. The whole, the whole chapter one or just. Give us a few verses. A few verses? Yeah. Okay. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. 
But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish for the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What do you boys see? Well, I had a question, and it might be kind of obvious, but I just wanted to ask you guys and myself, is why did Jonah run? I think the answer is pretty clear in, um, I want to say chapter, definitely by chapter four, it's clear. I think it's clear by chapter three. But also contextually, um, I think it's been understood that the Ninevites, um, they were like a, a, they were enemies of Israel. And like, I mean, they had, it was brutal, the things that they had done to Israel in the past. I mean, killed them, put their heads on sticks and just not good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I used to always think that he was afraid. And then I learned, no, he wasn't afraid. He was angry because he didn't want repentance for these people. He wanted to see them burned. That's I might good. be wrong. No, that's good. But that's good. Could it have been a little bit of both? You know, it, it might have been. Um, I don't know if there's anything in the text to suggest fear. Um, we can assume that, yeah. but at the same time, it's important that when we read, we don't try to insert things that aren't there, even if they would make sense contextually. Um, but I, I think it's pretty clear to us that uh, that he's angry about it. Um and I think that's really important to understand because that, in turn, brings us around to the main focus and the main theme of what the book of Jonah is trying to communicate to us. And so immediately right here, um, you got to think about it, right? He is uh, telling Jonah to go tell Nineveh, essentially to repent, um, and tell them of the judgment that's going to come against them. And so really, this is a great mercy to Nineveh. Right, he's he's having mercy on whom he will have mercy. Yeah, and what does uh, what does Jonah think about this? He he doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to hit that point you brought up where he was angry, and I want to bring it to kind of modern day us four sitting in this room. I think as much as we probably don't want to admit it, we've all felt this way about somebody or a group of people before um, that have probably done us wrong, that have hurt our feelings, that have you done wrong just in any way, shape, or form, and then you think back in the back of your mind, well, God still loves him just as much as me, and it kind of, you're kind of like, that's so frustrating, you know, because I'm doing everything the right way, I'm doing this, I'm not doing this, those kind of things, and they're still doing this, but God still loves us all the same, and his mercy and his grace still covers them as well. What do y'all think? I mean, absolutely right. Yeah. I, I don't think there's uh, there's any getting around that. Um I know for myself, it was, uh, I've, I've had more than, than a few of those, uh, situations in my life. I know this might sound kind of off topic. I feel like it's on topic, Go though. For it. but y'all remember when, um, all the stuff about Jeffrey Dahmer was being rehashed on Netflix for like no reason, like nothing had happened, right? Like he's still been dead. They just were like, let's just do a Jeffrey Dahmer documentary for no reason. Um, but one thing that kind of came out of that. I saw something where it was really weird. It was kind of shocking. But Jeffrey Dahmer, I want to say while he was in his prison sentence, actually confessed Christianity. And he confessed to have been saved. Um, And the the sincerity of that, I don't actually know 
if that was legit, if he was being sincere. Um, honestly, you know, that's, I don't have enough information to say that, but the fact that he made the confession publicly, that's in and of itself. I mean, that is fact. You can go and find the video of that. And what was the reaction of the public? They were enraged. They were furious because the idea, the, the very thought that someone so wicked and cruel and vile could possibly even be within reach of eternal mercy. But the re and, and the same reaction was had probably during Paul's conversion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I kind of had back, I don't know if y'all seen the movie Sound of Freedom, yeah. if y'all went and saw that movie or not, but I remember driving home from the movie theater that night and I was thinking <laughs> like, if those people who've done all these kids wrong, you know, and been a part of these, these major trafficking organizations, you know, God still loves them. And if they repent and turn from their sin and they become a Christian, you know, then... You know, the Bible says he, it's like he forget, forgives our transgressions as far as the East is from the West. And I'm like, and part of me was like, that's not fair. But at the same time, you know, none of us deserve it. So who am I to say I deserve it and they don't when none of us do to begin with? Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point. And it just shows God's patience. Um, you know, sometimes as humans, you know, we get impatient, especially with, even if we're saved and we, you know, um, have a relationship with the Lord. When we look at others, some, sometimes we may feel like there there is no way that they could could be saved. Mm -hmm. But God is patient, and as long as they still have breath on this earth, they have the opportunity to be saved. And that's that's kind of goes back to this passage, you know, when He told Jonah to go, and He was being patient with Nineveh as well. Um, when he told him to go and preach to him. I think also one thing to remember, let's not get too carried away because if you read in the latter half of the book of Jeremiah, um, which is canonically not maybe that far off. I don't, I don't know about when the book of Jonah was written. Maybe we should have, <laughs> I should have looked that up before we did this, but um, this would have been probably around uh, the book of Jeremiah would have been around 680. 80, 600 BC, somewhere in that range. Um, but Nineveh gets destroyed. God destroys Nineveh. He puts judgment upon it just at a later time. And so then we ask ourselves, well, okay, was he right to do that, right? Was he right to judge them? Was he right to forgive them here? The truth is, I mean, here God is, um, through Scripture and, you know, through the way he works today, He's displaying the fullness of who he is. He displays wrath and justice, and he displays uh, mercy and forgiveness. And it's not that he is partially forget, you know, forgiving or partially just. He is all just. He is all powerful, all wrathful, and all loving, and all um, merciful. And that's not something that humans are capable of being or understanding. And this is what is being communicated through the Bible, through the Old Testament, you know, this um, this picture of, I don't want to say both sides of God, um, but I think the more accurate description would be the full picture of God, you know, not, not just a, a section or a slice of them. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, what else, did y'all see anything else? 
Go ahead, Blake. I was just going to say, like, with you talking about, like, God is all-knowing and, you know, all-loving us with that, it really helps distinguish between who God is and who we are. And, like, that, you know, we can know that He's all-knowing, that we're not. But a lot of people in today's world try to be all-powerful and all-loving and all-knowing with that. But in reality, they don't know anything. But He has all the answers. So, I don't know. You just saying that just reminded me of that. Um, I think there's a lot of we won't go deep into it because I don't want to go deep into it, but there's there's certain people that do think they're all that in a bag of chips, that they have all the answers, but they haven't taken the time to look into the word and see that God's got all the answers. I see what you did there with taking the time, you know. I haven't made That's the time. Good. Hey, you gotta, <laughs> no, you that was good. that was a good thought though. Yeah. Um one hundred percent. I think that's a good thought. Uh, thank you for sharing. Um, but if that's it, does anyone have anything else? Well, uh, so we, I, I noticed it says, you know, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. So Jonah, he knew what God wanted, to, you know, to do. And then we, even though we may not know the main reason he ran, he ran. He he. And and furthermore, think about this. What is Jonah? A prophet. He's a prophet. prophet. What is he not acting like right now? A prophet. A prophet. Yeah. And then in the next section, we're going to see more characters show up on the scene who don't really act like we expect that they would. So the thing to look out for in this entire book is the, um, the usage or just the presence of irony. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. We got nothing else? You want to keep reading? Let's go for it. All right. Who wants to read? Me? Okay. I guess since I brought it up, that puts me as the default reader for this time around. You betcha. What are y'all thinking? Let's go Let's to... go four through nine. Perfect. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cries out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load, Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot signaled out Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us who is to blame for the trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. What do y'all think? I think this just kind of confuses me even more in terms of what Jonah's thinking, because he de- he knows who God is. He declared him at the end of that section right there. I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. Right? I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He is very specific in his confession there. He, he, he's confessing to be, you know, under the authority of the one true God. <laughs> and yet here he is running from him. So, you know, make it make sense, Jonah, you know? I wanted to share something that I saw um, in verse, in the end of verse 5. It says, he had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. He's not taking like a quick nap. Like he stretched out and he's he's gone. He's probably so he, tired. I, I would be. Yeah. <laughs> so he has fleed from God's calling for him. He's gone on the ship. He stretched out and he fell asleep. And 
whether this it's we don't do exactly this you know we're not going on ships and you know falling asleep on the vessel but how many times has god called us to do something we ignore it and we go lay out and we're comfortable in our sin and we try not to think about it because i guarantee you when he went on this ship he's like i'm just not gonna think about it i'm gonna go down here don't take me a nap i'm not gonna think about it i'll get comfortable and it'll just go away as we know it it doesn't go away i didn't uh i actually didn't consider that the part where he's sleeping it's uh yeah i mean you can mm-hmm. kind of parallel that with like oh he's really comfortable yeah. despite his disobedience he's mm-hmm. comfortable in his disobedience in his sin yep that's a really good thought and we've all have. been there yeah i think that's also something you call like a double-sided life or a two-faced kind of life that you're uh you, you know you think you're comfortable but you're also disobeying god on one side and the other side you're like you know what but i fear god and I'm a Christian and this and that, but you're not living, you know, one life with him, but you're living all these different lives just to, you know, and we can do that as well to like in today's kind of world, we can live as a, a double sided type life and we're sinning over here, but then we're coming back and doing, you know, something that we think that God is leading us to do, but you know, we're still disobeying him and, and sinning against him at the same time. So, it's, I mean, that's and that's something that can be really easy for us to do too. So we have to really watch out for it. So, yeah, one thing I noticed was um, the sailors that it mentioned, and it's kind of it's I kind of get you know sad when I when I read when I read this because it says all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own god. They were crying out to something that they're, they really didn't know. They're they're pagans. They're yeah. lost. Yeah. yeah. They're they're lost. They're crying. They're searching, but they didn't know really realize who they were trying to cry out to and were searching. And I know later we hadn't gotten there yet, but you kind of see God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And and this is where in the next part, this is where the irony really kind of comes to life. Um in a way that I think is really interesting. And we'll talk about that more once we get there. But Anyone have any more thoughts? I wonder if they were mad that they had to throw all their cargo off the ship. Did oh it, it does say that. that like it? I was like, I bet when they finally throw Jonah off, you know, I'm getting ahead, but if you know the story, you know yeah. throw Jonah off the storm, you know, the storm goes away and they're like, We should have just thrown him off to start with, man. <laughs> Why we did threw, he say anything? Now this whole trip is pointless because everything <laughs> yeah. we were carrying, we threw off. Hey, you know, maybe you can make a point about that. I don't know. I, maybe that, that might be looking into it, reading into it. But I mean, I'm sure there is, but maybe. I was just thinking like from the human side, like... I would be mad. I would be so upset. Oh, he's like, dude, we should have just thrown that dude off from the start. For real, Because now everything... I wonder what was on the cargo. The world may never know, but I, I like to think... I wonder if they had... Um, I don't... What do, you, what do you think they had? Not Cheetos. <laughs> do you think they had the hot Cheetos? Hot Cheetos. <laughs> Uh, Some Arnold Palmer's. Uh, <laughs> they had they man, we had to throw the cooler away. Could this guy. <laughs> they well no coffee. They didn't have coffee, did they? Uh, it's like it's probably like some type of like, like <laughs> materials or something like that. Like stuff to No, it was de- it was definitely an Arnold Palmer. Yeah, that's yeah. Just, no, that. it's actually a bunch of sweet tea and lemonade so they can make their own yep. homemade Arnold okay. Palmer. Then when they threw Jonah off, they were really upset because they couldn't make any more Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. Well, no one can tell me differently. <laughs> we, we we should probably uh, get back to the word before you start getting. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Until someone you know, a lightning bolt comes down into the into the podcast room. We'll see. The internet's already out. Maybe that was when we should should stop. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I guess I'll read. Um, we're going to start verse ten. If you're following along, 
And we'll go to verse 16, the end of the chapter. Okay. So Jonah's thrown into the sea. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard and returned to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it is, uh, as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. God's sovereignty. So we see in, I mean, I, I can imagine this probably, I mean, in a what seems like an instant, yeah. right? You have these pagan, um, just completely lost sailors. And again, hey, by the way, they're sailors, um, which, you know, I think just in any culture, in any time, have not necessarily always been known to be, you know, you know, like this the saying, swears like a sailor, right? Like they're not exactly, um, you know, the saints of society, yeah. right? So, you know, we can only imagine what these kind of sailors were, you know, pagan sailors were engaging in. Um, because, I mean, also think about it, the gods of these other nations surrounding Israel, if you look it up, absolutely brutal stuff. I mean, child sacrifice type stuff. So like for all we know, that could have been the culture that these men came from to where, you know, throwing a child into a burning fire was totally normal and acceptable to them. And yet now we find that once Jonah has, for some reason now, identified himself, you know, under the one true God, even despite his disobedience toward him, now the sailors are all of a sudden completely turned around, right? I mean, they're um, even before they throw him into the sea, they repent and they pray forgiveness for what they're about to do. And then what happens? The, the seas are calm. Yeah. And so, again, that word to look out for, irony, right? Everything's turned on its head in this book. Um. This, you know, and and this is actually kind of a a for what's foreshadowing to what happens in Nineveh, if you think about it. But we'll get there in the next few weeks. But what do y'all think? Yeah, this brings up another question: Is can God use or work through disobedience? Even though he doesn't, he doesn't want disobedience. He still works. He still has a plan. I th I think. What I, the question I've always asked, I don't know if God works through disobedience. I think God works in spite of it. Yeah. Because God works either way. Yeah. Did God calm the sea through Jonah? No. Yeah. He calmed the sea. Period. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's a question I think I remember I was reading somewhere in like Philippians one, mm -hmm. you know, where Paul's talking about uh, people who preach 
out of their own gain and selfish gain. And they, um, they preach out of ambition and, um, you know, but, but Paul is not, uh, grieved by it because he says either way, gospel is going to be shared. God's going to work. And the question I had to ask myself was, well, dang, you know, like, is God working through me or is he working in spite of me? Because he will do both. Yeah. And in the Bible, we see that he has done both. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. This brings up another question that I have. And I've talked about this a lot, different church groups, different people. And it's a pretty de- highly debated question, I'd say. What do y'all think about Rahab and the whole story with her and being disobedient and lying and God using it? What do y'all think? So here's what I think. Kind of give um, a little backstory, too. If you yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're not aware of the story of Rahab, Rahab was a prostitute in the land of, where was it? Got you. Oh, it was, um, was it Jericho? It was Jericho. I want to say yes, but I'm not 100% sure. Blake, you checking? Yep. Yeah, fact check me. But keep going. I'll, I'll fact check so me. we'll just go with Jericho for right now. So she's a prostitute who lived like in the wall of the city of Jericho. And you had the Israelite spies who um, came to spy out the land. And uh, she essentially hid them in her home. And um, basically the authorities come to try and find them. And they ask her, you know, where are they? And she tells them basically, oh, they went that way. But secretly, I think they were hiding either on her roof or in her home. But she'd hid them. But essentially she lied. To those people to hide the um, the spies, and I mean the same question can be asked. You know, like what about all the people who hid um, Jews during the Holocaust and didn't tell the Nazis where they were that they were in there, right? And so the question is, what commandment would they have broken? What what commandment would they have broken? Would they have lied? They would have lied, yes. But is that what the commandment says? Thou shalt not bear false bear witness, false witness. Yeah. in court. So even in the Ten Commandments, we find a contextual uh, you know, setting here. And that was that it was preventing, uh, it, it, was, it was a law against Jews lying in court in a, in a, a way that would benefit themselves at another person's expense. Selfish gain right? That is the motivation for their lie. But it doesn't say you shall not lie. Now, I might be, there might be other scripture that kind of can easily knock down the point I'm making. And that's why I've done some light (laughs) digging on this. But um, the way that the commandment is phrased, I don't think she broke a commandment. Honest to goodness. I think um, at the end of the day, she was protecting um, men who, uh, the way I could, I see it, you know, I mean, God illuminated to her the fact that, Hey, they, they were, you know, spies from essentially the one true God. Um, and again, I might be, that might be wrong too. Uh, but I think she was just protecting innocent blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do y'all think? 
I mean, I think so too. I don't, I don't think she really, um, like you said, broke a commandment or anything like that. Because essentially, she was just, you know, we don't. Scripture doesn't really say it either. But I wonder if there's anything that's behind that too. Like if, even though she was a a prostitute or something like that, but she like went through a time of, of prayer to see, even though it was in that situation though, she didn't know what to do um, because it was so fast thinking. But I wonder if, if um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know if she like, if, if she was praying about something that it, it brought a clear statement to, to hide them away and, and lie about it. So I think the context of um, what made it to where she feared enough to protect them I don't know that she would have prayed to the Israelite God because she was in a um, in the city of Jericho, which is known to be a very secular, uh, very pagan culture. And so uh, the only explanation I can think of, and I think it's supported in the book of Joshua, but um, at this time, I mean, Israel is like, y'all know that meme where death is going door by door and he's like knocking on each door and just like whack knock you know down the line the grim reaper one the grim reaper one yeah. and like i mean they'll use it for like college football all the time mm-hmm. so, you know yeah. bama going down the line oh yeah in the sec like that's that's israel right now israel is going down the line and god is using them to essentially just judge city after city after city and it's brutal I mean, if you read the book of Joshua, it's violent. And, you know, that's a study in and of itself. But um, Jericho is one such city. And this lady knows it. Not all knew it. Not all submitted to the fear of that reality. But some, i.e. her, did. And so, in my mind, I think, you know, she recognized these are Hebrews. They're, they're here judgments here they're coming i better be on the right side of of this judgment call you know what i'm saying was what if she did tell the truth though and said that they were could can you try i guess could she have trusted god with what would i think she could have i've also seen a point like scholarly like theologians make points that she uh she sinned because um, you know, she was dependent upon her lie to protect them rather than God to protect them. And that's another point that could be made. And ultimately, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stick with my theory just because, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I won't, you know, none of us in this room, none of us, you know, none of y'all listening are going to know 100% without a you know doubt. But, I mean, I... I feel like I feel like I'm barking up the right tree and again I may be completely lost in the woods. But I that is a valid question, that is a valid point. I have seen that question been be posed and honestly I I can't really give a a solid answer to that. I think for me to kind of kind of share what I believe on it. I think the thing that sticks out to me the most is when you read um the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. Rahab's mentioned and it says some translations are different. Some say Rahab the prostitute, like it points out the prostitute. And so for me, when I'm thinking, I was like, 
you know, it's significant because it says the title on there, but it's significant the genealogy of Jesus. It's significant that Jesus comes from that genealogy of Rahab. Then you think about it, and I'm like, for me, she went out of her way and made a significant risk for the gospel, right? I don't want to, it's easy to look at as a lie, but look at it as a risk. Like she risked her life to protect these two in her home for the gospel. So when I think of it, I think of it more as she took a massive risk um, in faith in Christ. And I think it was, I don't have a problem with it. I think it was good. I think, did she, but did she take a risk? Cause here's she did because if they but did they she? busted in the house anyway they find them because here's the here's the question dead. I'll pose here's the question I'll pose I think yes she did take a risk just you know I'm yeah. not saying she didn't totally she did but at the same time maybe if you like really analyze it um, I I can honestly say that nothing more than the grace of God gave her the ability or you know gave her the conviction to see what was coming and she knew and so. The question is, right, I think greater risk would have been to ignore that and let them come in and kill him anyway and try to prevent that which God was doing. You know, because, you know, it, it tells us in Scripture, don't fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill the body and the soul. Right? I feel like that would be the easy way out, though, to let it, them in. It would. Well, be, it would be the easy way out. they but, could have very easily just gone in anyway. But if... I guess what I'm trying to say, if the spies die, she dies too. Definitely. If this, if, but, but even if she lives, if the men of Jericho don't, you know, like if she complies with the guards and, you know, like, and, and she's fine, the, the nation of Israel is going to absolutely slaughter everyone anyway, her included. The judgment of God leaves none behind. There are none who escape the judgment of God who deserve it, which being everyone, right? The only way that you escape the judgment of God is by putting all of your your faith and all of your belief in Christ Jesus, who took on flesh to die on the cross to be charged with your sin. That's the only way out, right? Um, And so I guess, you know, at face value, absolutely, she did take a risk. Right. I mean, my anxiety would be through the roof if I was her. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I think God illuminated her path and to say, you know, this is, you know, this, this is, she knew, she knew of the judgment that was going to come um, just based on the, the fame of Israel in this region mm-hmm. at this time in this context. I mean, she knew. And I, I think that is nothing nothing short of um, of God moving in her life and giving her that that clarity. And again, I might be wrong. I think, uh, Carson, I think you made a good point too. Just mentioning the, the genealogy of Jesus and Matthew. Um, it just, this might be a side note too, um, but going through all those people in the genealogy, every single person in that genealogy was disobedient at some point. To God. Oh yeah, and it's like God. I, you know, God still brought Jesus th- through all those those people. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a picture of God using um, unrighteous people to bring about the Savior for them. Yeah, it's really I that's mean, pretty it's cool, beautiful picture. Yeah, but uh, Blake, you got something? 
Yeah, I'm like, I was like really close to Andy. I'm sorry, Andy. Yeah, you were right in my face. Uh, sorry. Um, I was. Do you think that that her taking you know this big risk? Um, I mean, obviously to save some lives uh, was to ultimately build her trust in the Lord. Um, because I mean, like sometimes in life for us, like we have to take a risk um, to ultimately trust in the Lord and uh, and see what He's gonna like what where He's gonna bring us. So like I don't know. That's just a a question I had. Like, do you think her taking this big risk, um, and you know, ultimately lying to these these whether they ask if they're in there or not, um, is this like built some type of trust with her and the Lord? That's a good question. We might could do some research on that. We could. I think um I think it might do better not to maybe uh over and I know yeah, I've I've yeah. done a lot of probably over analysis yeah. of Rahab's decision, but um, I think at at the end of the day it was according to what God had called her to do, um, and not saying not me saying that God told her to lie, because again we don't know and we don't know if it was sin or if it was not, but um, it was a very clear calling that Rahab was Rahab was going to be on the right side of this. Um, she was not going to be caught up in in the judgment that was going to come down on Jericho, yeah. and that was nothing more than the mercy of God being upon her. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, possible. I'm sure it probably did a lot. I don't know if she was doing that to consciously put you know build her trust and faith in the Lord, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it at the you know that was the end product. I'm I'm sure it did build trust and faith. Mm-hmm. You know. If I witnessed the fall of Jericho, I think, and I was a survivor, I, I think I'd probably maybe have a little more trust, yeah. you know, than than I did before. Yeah. But at any rate, I think we are. That's the whole chapter, right? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Anybody have anything final things on John? Yes, no, maybe so. No. Parker. Not yet. Not yet. We've only hit first chapter, so. Yeah. <laughs> We're not to the, the action yet. All right. Um, got a question sent in. Yeah. That I want I want y'all to answer. All right. What is everyone's favorite book of the Bible? Jo- no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's up there. Uh, man, I really I like I like Romans. Is it a cop out to say Romans? Yes. Okay, it's a cop out to say Romans. Um Shoot, I'll say I'll say Genesis. Genesis has it all, man. It's just an easy place to point to for people. It's really easy to understand. I like Genesis. I mean, it's got some crazy stuff too. It does. I love it. What do y'all What do y'all think? I like Genesis, but you can't I, you can't you can't steal my answer. I was gonna say Genesis. No, <laughs> Genesis two, <laughs> chapter two. Um, I really like um, First Peter and the Book of Ephesians. Which one's better, though? Well, to you. To me, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably say Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 was the first, one of the first Bible verses I memorized. My grandpa shared that. and It's, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast. And it's like ever since I, I've known that verse since I was a young boy, it's like I have such a hard time sometimes kind of giving myself grace and reminding myself of God's grace, and it's like, 
God made he knew I knew I needed to learn that at a young age because I would deal with that a lot. So that's probably why. That's good. Blake? Well, I was going to say Romans, but if we've copped that out, they're not Romans. Um, but I think if I was to choose, I mean, Romans really is my favorite, but if I was to choose another one, it would probably be Psalms, um, even though that's a lot to you know, study. But I think with Psalms, there's so much to study, but there's so much that we miss out on. Like there's 150, like, you know, little sections of Psalms. But I think there's some of them that we don't even read because you're like, there's so much of them. But they like provide so much insight, and it's just cool to read each and every one of them and really study them. So, you know, I think Psalms might be maybe the only book where, like, the chapters were there were already natural divisions and breaks in the scroll before the chapters were put in because they're just songs, yeah. individual songs. It's the if you don't know what Psalms is, it's the Spotify of the Bible. So that's how I was told. I was like, I like yeah. that. Well, well, not Apple Music. Yeah, Apple Music. No, uh, no, no. Okay, no, 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 quick no. poll, quick poll for us, your mind. Apple Music, Spotify. Spotify. I'm Apple Music. Apple Music. Two. Apple Music. You're 3v1, all. 3v1. 3v1. You're all crazy. You're all. I'm in a room full of lunatics. Carson, what's your favorite book? He did lose his wisdom last week. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, hey, I was on Spotify before that. <laughs> I'll spice it up. I'll give you all each one guess of my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, Revelation. Wrong. Matthew. Wrong. I feel like you're a Proverbs. Wrong. Really? You? I thought you, you seem like a Proverbs guy. Is that a compliment? No. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Good job, Blake. You went over four. <laughs> no. Thessalonians. It's Galatians. Galatians. Oh, that's a good. One. Why? Why is that? I love Galatians. Because my favorite verse ever. Is in Galatians six nine. Galatians six nine. Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. I love that Bible verse. It's my favorite. So that's why Galatians is my favorite book. It's also just like a great read. It is. It's, it's all like a great it's read. like a comfort. I don't want to say any book of the Bible should be like a comfort read, but if I'm just like I, I you think, know what I'm saying. I don't think that we should go to the Bible completely. Um, that's why I said I hoping to comfort. avoid conviction and avoid challenge yeah but i think that i mean the the spirit through the word can absolutely bring comfort yeah like i mean john 21 is probably my favorite chapter in maybe all of the new testament because it brings me a comfort that no other chapter Mm -hmm. ever has that's when jesus restores peter like i just absolutely love it um and yeah i mean i I don't think it's wrong to go i'm (laughs) It's absolutely not That's why wrong I said, to go. I don't want to yeah. say comfort, but it's just like if I just need like, you know, something, if I just am good struggling, reminder. good reminder, some encouragement, I'm turning to Galatians. I think if we can feel in ourselves that we require comfort, I think it is always a good idea to go to Scripture for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. And if that means going to a specific place in Scripture, so long mm-hmm. as you're in Scripture, man. So be it. Better, a lot better than other things, right? <laughs> Way yeah. better, yeah. <laughs> um, does anybody else have anything? Final thoughts, comments? What uh, what takeaways do you think we could uh, have from Jonah, chapter one? Well, for one, I think that we we need to be we need to stop viewing God in the way that we would measure any other man, right? 
because um, we can judge one another all we want. I mean, even as Christians, we are called to judge one another righteously, fairly. But we, at the end of the day, we are called to judge one another to say like, hey, you've done this wrong. You know, here's why, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when we look at the decisions in the mind of God, there is no room for us to, to judge because he's God and we are sinful people. Um, you know, we have to humble ourselves to, you know, God is God and he's going to do what he's going to do. The Bible tells us as much and we need to stop, um, allowing our cultural teachings to shape our view of God, our theology, Amen. we need to start allowing the Bible to shape it. Once you do that, once you go to the Word with fresh eyes yeah. um, and you really look at it, I mean, it uh, oftentimes it'll completely turn your understanding on its head, yeah. just like everything in Jonah is kind of turned on its head. Uh, I mean, I just think uh, a good thing to learn from it is that you can't have from God. Like, you have, like, here God calls them to the city of Nineveh, but he flees from that. Then he sends a great storm. And then, you know, towards the end of the chapter, I mean, there's a bunch that happens and towards the end of the chapter, which we really didn't cover because it's kind of like a little small line before chapter two, but God sends a great fish to swallow them. So like you can't hide from the things that, that God's trying to show you because if you do, then ultimately he's going to send some type of judgment to you or a conviction. So. I mean, just don't hide from God. He's right there to help you through everything. So just look up to Him, seek Him. So I think that would be my big takeaway from. You want to go, Parker? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was. I was just gonna say, we can ask a lot of whys sometime, and I think it's good to ask why, but yeah. also, and and we need to, you know, tr just simply trust sometimes because we won't know everything. But God does, and He can be. He's a God that we can trust because He knows, and mm -hmm. He He's faithful and and just. And and I think you know it's it, it ought to be pointed out. I mean, there are some circumstances that we don't know about in this room that that you know you as a listener might be going through that we could not even even imagine having to go through it. And you know the the concept of you know sometimes we just need to stop asking why and just start obeying. Um, that's a hard thing to do in certain circumstances um, and certain, you know, really difficult life situations. But at the end of the day, Scripture is Scripture, and it means what it means. And so, you know, we want to give you guys that encouragement. It's okay to ask why. It's okay to be confused. But at the end of the day, our attitude needs to be one of submission unto God's will. That's good. I think my takeaway would kind of be that point I hit about when he went to the bottom of the boat and was comfortable just not getting comfortable in sin. Um, that was a really good point. That's yeah. That was my point, one big point I pulled out of this when I was Brownie points, over. good for you. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. But um, just don't get comfortable because at, at the end of the day, God's will for your life will play out, whether as much as I don't want it to or not. You know, ideally as a Christian, we all want it to, but, you know, in that moment, you might fear it or you might not want it or you're afraid of it, you run from it. Um, just don't run towards sin, don't get comfortable in it because God's will for my life will play out. I think just say about being comfortable with sin too. I think uh, being comfortable with sin is equivalent to laying on a bed of nails. Like it's I like being honest. Like it's sharp and it's going to you know it's going to pierce the side um, of you know it's going to wound you ultimately. So I think that's that's a really good point about just being you know don't be comfortable with sin.
I feel like Blake had a traumatic experience with a nail bed that he's not telling us about. <laughs> a nail bed? A That's bed like, of nails. You've never oh, laid on one of those? I mean, in like the yeah, museum? Yeah, like Wonderworks in Gatlinburg. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, we went there, and for some odd reason, I was obsessed with it. So, like, I was trying to be the one who controlled it for, like, oh, everyone. That's such an Andy thing to like, do. Like, like some random stranger. I was like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, at any rate, uh, I think we're going to be wrapping things up here. Let's that was stop. Jonah Chapter 1. If you liked what you heard, uh, come back. Not next week. Well, please come back and listen next week. But also, um, uh, in two weeks, we will be covering Jonah Chapter 2. Um, like I said before, we're going to be breaking it up, but, uh, I think it's been good. Um, it's great to be back and thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you have questions, email us, we do it. We do Instagram things all the time. If you don't have Instagram, just want your question answered in private. Um, email us, make the time podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok. uh, make the time podcast as well. Yeah. AOL. Add us on LinkedIn. <laughs> Dude, what if we? Does Vine still exist? No, it, it's been Vine. gone. It's been gone for a while. Yeah, we are on Spotify. Pinterest. Yeah, find us on Pinterest. Dude, let's make a Pinterest board. Hey, make okay. the time pit board. Visco. Anyway, I do love a Visco account. Okay. Visco is so slept on. All right, well, we can follow we, me on Visco, Carson WV. I'm just kidding. We, we could go on forever, but uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you have a blessed week. Uh, and as always, if you don't have the time, then make the time. <laughs>